there's so much on our plate, but equity should just be the plate. Going back to lessons learned, that's something that I would like us to maybe even just think about what can we continue to do differently as an organization so we don't lose sight of that. The topic of today's podcast is insights from a small rural district with Natasha Monsas daly a conversation about the challenges, successes, unsung heroes, and lessons learned from this past school year. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by AVID.org. AVID believes that to close the opportunity gap, we need to accelerate learning, not remediate. For more information about AVID, visit their website at AVID.org. Tech Talk for Teachers. You want to practice? Tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Education Education is our passport to to the future. future. Our quote today includes five words of insight from Oprah Winfrey. She says, turn your wounds into wisdom. (laughs) Actually, when I heard that quote, it reminded me of our son, who kindly reminded me at one point when he was a young teen that it's okay if you get some bumps and scars along the way. (laughs) He was definitely wise to remind me of that because it's so tempting to want to protect them from the wounds. But Wounds mean that we have taken risks that are part of truly experiencing life, risks that help us learn and grow. When we look at those wounds, whether they be physical or emotional, they remind us of our stories of resilience. They affirm that we can face and overcome challenges. Wisdom, by definition, means we've gained experience and knowledge that helps us make those better judgments. We not only gain wisdom, these wounds from experiences also give us greater empathy for others. We just need to make sure we give those wounds the care and time needed to properly heal. Yeah, that's so powerful. And just to add on, I think we've all been wounded in some way or another. (laughs) Wounded as a result of the pandemic, (laughs) systemic racism and oppression, personal and individual struggles and loss. There's just so much happening Um, especially this year. And a lot of things happened very quickly and suddenly, and many other things have been going on for years. So as a result of so many wounds, I believe that many people, and especially myself, have also done a lot of growing, as you kind of talked about, Pam. Um, And I feel like I've done more growing in the last year and several years than I've ever done in my life before, mentally, physically, everything else. I know my family has had its greatest struggles in the last year, but we've also grown and gotten closer and known each other better in this past year as well. And in my professional career as well, I had switch of jobs and the teachers I support have to have had to switch on a dime. I'm sure it's very similar across the country, teaching remotely for the very first time ever in history. Like this has never happened before. Um, In a matter of days, they had to switch and we were all pushed in many ways and there's still wounds, but they're healing. And I think like the quote said, we've learned so much and I still think there's so much learning to be done and to be taken forward into, especially as we start thinking about next year. 
You know, and I think one of the things that I have gained from this year is that growth because I've gotten to meet you, Rena, mm-hmm. and we've made connections with people all over the country. And to have those conversations is so rich, especially when we're all going through kind of this common experience and we can share our stories and we can learn from each other and we can continue to grow. There's just so much more empathy as well. Um, I know we've d- lots of social emotional learning, but it seems like a lot of people tend to have more empathy and understanding as well. For sure. And we're really excited today. We get to have another conversation. We have a special guest with us today, Natasha Monsa Staley, the Director of Information and Learning Technology for Watertown Mayor Schools. It's a small rural district in Minnesota. And Natasha says that she's continuing to find ways to integrate rigorous and authentic instruction with quality technology tools. So Natasha is also one of the hosts of Black and Blonde, a podcast dedicated to conversations about race as they're experienced by a black person and a white person. And we are so excited to have you here today, Natasha. So excited. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. So, and that opening was awesome too. Totally good thoughts about about this year. That has been a challenge for all of us. So mm-hmm. It really has. And we're kind of looking forward to hearing your perspective because we've got listeners from all kinds of different school districts. Some are metro districts, some are rural districts. And although there's some common ties, there are some uniquenesses too, just because of our own situations. So um, we're going to talk about a few different areas of, of conversation with this. So the first one is, is about challenges and successes, which we sort of talked about already with the wounds and the growth a little bit, but it's been a unique and challenging school year. And as a tech leader in, in your district, could you talk about some of the challenge that you faced um, to provide this you know, equitable and accessible education to your kids? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this year, I think it's hard to sometimes quantify because like everyone, it's been difficult. It doesn't matter if you're a big district, a small district, but, you know, being a rural district does definitely have some unique challenges. You know, our most obvious one is probably rural broadband. Um, it just, we don't have internet capabilities out on many of our students' farms or their houses. And so, you know, you go into distance learning, you go into hybrid learning, and suddenly we have to find ways to get accessibility to these kids. And so that was a, that was a really big challenge for us. Um, we did end up, you know, we purchased jetpacks and we got them out to families and we found a solution that I think worked. But I think what it really did was just highlight, you know, where are we going from here as we move forward? Because hybrid, remote, all these different kind of flexible learning options aren't going anywhere. So where do we go as a district to ensure that our kids have equitable access and who can we partner with to make sure that we bring that into their homes? So I would say that was a big change for us. And we're not, you know, as, as a small district, we're not a resource rich district. You know, we just don't have a lot of money. And oddly, we got a lot of money thrown at us through the CARES Act or ESSER funds. And that's great. And we brought in some great technology. But my concern becomes then the sustainability. So it's not today that I'm really worried about. It's two, three years down the road when we purchase all this technology and how do we keep it in front of our kids and in front of our staff. Yeah, for sure. That's thoughtful. I I just know that there's a lot of, we've been thinking through, I come from a larger district, but those ESSER funds as well. And we're talking about how they can't be for support. They can't be for people. It has to be stuff. But like you put, there there has to be this plan woven together about how do we support the stuff. So that's a really thoughtful thing to be thinking about. You talk about internet being that kind of that core thing, that first challenge. Did you still have pockets of of families that you struggled to reach even despite, you know, your jetpack plan and some of that stuff? 
I think we had um, bigger issues with just some of the art, the initial jetpacks that we purchased didn't end up holding up like we wanted them to. And so we ended up actually having to go back and purchase a whole new set and have unlimited data attached to those, which was not originally in our plans. But when you're streaming, we have some larger families. So when you have, you know, six, seven kids at home trying to get on jetpacks like that just wasn't working out. And we also had to just be flexible or remind our teachers to be flexible. You know, some kid might just not have gotten something done or they might have to join the Google Meet and turn off their video because to like kind of conserve that bandwidth a little bit. And I think eventually our teachers got there. I know initially there were some struggles um, with teachers just in terms of understanding why a kid couldn't get on or what was preventing them because they thought they had these jetpacks that would just save the day. And they don't. They do some good things, but in other in other cases, they didn't. And I think eventually our teachers really got to a place where they just were flexible. And I would say once we got that second set out, um, we de- definitely had less problems. It wasn't perfect, but less for sure. With a name like Jetpack, it should be like perfect. You would think, yeah. Like you could just fly with these things. <laughs> it's like the Marvel Universe or something. So what about other technology? So you talked about internet access. Were there other core pieces that kind of helped you be successful? I think establishing kind of just how you're going to deliver synchronous and asynchronous instruction. And so one of the things that we found was just having a consistency. Um, We ended up going with Google Meet as our like, you know, our remote learning tool. And that was a challenge because some people wanted to use Zoom and some people wanted to use something else. And we just really kind of had to say, like, we need to have some consistent structures that we can share with families. And so I don't know that it was really about the tools so much as it was getting us all together in kind of a consistent format that we could communicate with students, families, and staff that then in the end made sense. I mean, there were some, you know, we did purchase some wireless headsets for some people and there were some microphones. There was always something, um, I think, that we went into it. But at the core of it was really just being consistent. And I would say we couldn't have done any of it without a learning management system. I mean, there's just no way. If we didn't have Schoology, which is what we have, um, and prior to the pandemic, we did not have a learning management system in our K-1-2, and so we ended up purchasing Seesaw. We could not have delivered instruction or quality instruction without that. And I think that kind of leads into, you're talking about some of the products, but there, I think there might be some people behind some of that. So as a director of information and learning technology for Watertown Mayor Schools, I'm sure you have a very broad perspective of many moving parts, as you've talked about, but there's also people that other people never see or hear about. So who are some of the unsung heroes of this past year, or who has done some of that important work that may have gone less noticed? We're a small district, and so everybody's kind of got to have all hands on deck. Like, not one person doesn't get to monopolize the work. But I would say this year, um, our media specialists and our media paras, they became our second tech support. We don't have enough people to help families to triage, to say, you know, you need to bring your Chromebook in or let me help you get on Google Meet or Schoology. And they became our first line of support for families. They actually manned our help ticket system, which was just a Google form, but they were the ones that um, went through all that, contacted families, would get devices into kids' hands, would get jetpacks. There's literally no way we would have made it without them. And so for me, certainly this year, our media specialists were our unsung heroes, without question. The thing that I think I learned, not that I didn't know, but the most this year is just that how much it takes everyone in a system. You know, we, we need the custodians to make sure that our Chromebooks are in a place that are accessible and ready for kids. And we need our nurses, obviously. (laughs) 
without question this year. So I don't think there's anybody that we could go without saying, but certainly our media heroes. Mm-hmm. As you pointed out, just so much teamwork and effort and people, it sounds like stepping outside their comfort zone and just taking on new things. Yeah, a lot of people had to switch gears. You know, you think you come into the year or maybe not come into the year because of last year, but you start thinking that your work is going to look one way. And then all of a sudden it's like, this is now what it looks like and this is what we need. And I think that's part of it. I mean, people this year, they didn't have a choice. They had to be flexible. And people also learned that they could be flexible. Well, thanks for helping celebrate our unsung heroes. As you said, there are many. And there's also many lessons that we have learned along the way, right? So what lessons have you and leadership learned this past school year? You know, we always talk about being flexible in education. And as I said a little bit ago, I think people were put in positions they didn't think that they would be able to handle. They didn't think they could be flexible. We had some teachers who just weren't, for lack of a better word, they weren't tech savvy. And they knew that and they didn't have a choice. And they just became these people who could run Google Meets and run asynchronous and synchronous sessions all at the same time. I think everyone learned that they could probably be a little more flexible than they thought they possibly could. So I'm hoping that's something that carries over into the future for sure. But there are two other things that kind of really stood out to me. It's just really around clarity of purpose and communication. I think that if you didn't have that going into the pandemic, you weren't communicating with clarity with your families and with students and staff, like you can't be successful in that. And so I'm hoping that, you know, as a leadership team, we can continue to keep that in the forefront of our mind and understand we got to keep communicating that way. So what we did to make things clear, what we did to make sure that people knew our purpose and our why, that can't change. And that has to stay you know, our superintendent was doing a great job and, and still does of biweekly updates to families. And I'm not saying that families still need that post pandemic and post the school year, but what might that look like for families um, that do need that kind of communication? You know, we talk a lot about a digital access. And for me, it, it kind of shifted this year when I started thinking about digital equity. So we could put all the devices in all the hands of all the kids we wanted to. We could give them jetpacks. We can give them Chromebooks but they have to understand how to use it academically. Our teachers have to understand how to teach with it academically. We have to deliver the professional development. And so I just don't think we have equitable access of devices until like all of those things are in place. And we saw a lot of that this year. There were some pitfalls because we know we didn't have the time or didn't spend the, you know, the front end work on professional development because we just had to get the devices in the hands of kids. So that's a lot of lessons, but we learned a lot this year. Well, and so important. And then, you know, through challenges are opportunities for innovations, right? So how have you evolved in terms of innovation that you're really hoping to bring forward into the future? I think hoping certainly that we can continue to move beyond the walls of the classroom as being like the only space for learning. There were a lot of teachers, I will say, and, you know, our culture really was that somehow kids had to be in class for learning to occur. This whole notion of like seat time and whatever that might mean. And I think we were able to innovate in different ways. And like I said already, provide that asynchronous and synchronous instruction, provide remote learning to some kids, um, but maybe other kids were in person. And so I think teachers saw that there were more resources outside of the walls of their classroom than they saw before. And again, when you're in a small rural district, you sometimes can get really siloed. You know what's in your district, you know what's in your space. And I saw um, just even probably an expansion of like community partnerships or who can I reach out to to like, you know, share some knowledge with my students in different ways. So people were just being more creative. Nice. And you mentioned equity. What role did equity play in the decision making during the year? If I'm going to be totally honest with you, which I am. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate that. I wish it would have played more of a role. 
uh, to be real honest with you. I think that it was really easy to let equity take a, a back seat this year to to think that we have all these other issues and we'll have all these other problems that we need to address. And for us, I know that equity kind of it wasn't where it should have been. And we know that and we recognize that. So like I said, I just I kind of wonder if it got lost in the midst of everything else. And I think it's one of those things you say, well, there's so much on our plate, but equity should just kind of be the plate. And so I think that was a definitely a challenge for us. And if there's you know, I guess going back to lessons learned, that's something that I would like us to maybe even just think about what could we have done differently or what can we continue to do differently as an organization so we don't lose sight of that in in our work moving forward. That actually ties in a little bit nicely with what we're going to talk about next. We always do a segment called the Teaching Toolkit. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What's in the toolkit? What, what is in the toolkit? What's in the toolkit? Check it out. One thing that we're going to talk about this time is podcasts as a tool because we can really reach each other this way. We can learn from each other. We can have these rich conversations. We're doing one right now, right? Right. And we know that you have a podcast as well, Natasha. So wondering if you could just um, talk about your podcast a little bit, maybe just tell us a little bit about it, what it's about, why it's important to you, why you started started it up. Yeah. So uh, I would say the, the podcast is called Black and Blonde. And it is a little bit probably of just like a COVID induced podcast, right? Like, so you're quarantined and what else are you going to do but start a podcast? But it actually started, uh, my partner and I, she used to do these black and blonde conversations with another coworker who was um, African-American and they would get in front of kids and they would just have real conversations about things that they faced in their experiences um, and how it was different. He was a black male and she was as a white female and how those um, experiences such as, you know, being in schools, getting pulled over by police and how those perspectives were just so different. And it was probably, I would say for young 15, 16, 17 year olds was really enlightening for them. And we've always talked about race. Those have always been conversations that are just super important to us. I have a son. And for me, it's really, you know, he's biracial. So, you know, what does that identity look like for him? And so we said, let's start a podcast. And we basically each week, we kind of take a topic that is out there in the news. And it's it's always authentic to something that's kind of happened to us within the week, which can make our podcast kind of challenging. And we just talk about it as I talk about it as a person of color. And she talks about it as a, a white female and how our identities kind of shape some of those things. Obviously, it turns back into education a lot because we are both educators. So there is a lot of education wrapped up in it. But it's just, it's a conversation. And, you know, I don't think that you can grow and, and change the world or change the world for kids if you're not reflecting and if you don't have an awareness of your own identity. One thing that struck me when I listened to your podcast is the two of you trying to make sense of things as you're talking, you know, trying to yeah. figure it out yourselves, right? Exactly. And, you know, we don't know. We we said in the beginning of our podcast, we're not experts. We're, you know, we're not a, a Brene Brown or something. We're just, <laughs> we're just two people having conversations. Um, and uh, like you said, trying to make sense of it, I think, in the ways that a lot of us do. Um, but maybe a lot of us don't engage in the conversation. And that's sometimes we just want to be able to model that conversation, too. I loved one of the comments in, I don't know if it was your last episode or two episodes ago, but there was a comment that what's the lens with which you look at the events around you and how do we communicate across those differences? That felt like almost the core of a lot of what your podcast is. Absolutely. It's that, I think that is the thing that we're trying to kind of bring to people is like, 
to slow down in this world and think like, what is the perspective or what is the lens I'm bringing into it? And how might that be different than someone else? And I think in education, we're around a lot of different people. We're around kids. We're around kids that need to be seen. And if we can't step outside of our own lens, we're not going to be able to see kids. So powerful. Mm -hmm. So if our listeners wanted to find your podcast, um, where would they go to check it out? They can go to um, wherever they listen to podcasts, obviously, and search Black and Blonde. Um, We also have a website called blackblondepod.com. I'm not real good about the website, about updating it, but we're trying. Um, We're also on Instagram and Twitter, so um, anybody can find us there. We love to have people join in the conversation or just, you know, hear a different perspective. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for letting me. Yeah, we encourage our listeners to reach out and, and check that out for sure. All right, we're going to jump into our next segment here. So our next segment is called One Thing. It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. It's time for that one thing. It's that one thing. So what's the one thing that we're taking away from our amazing conversation today? So if you'd like to start off, Natasha, go for it. I mean, you were the one talking mostly, but is there, you had so many insights. Is there one thing you might take away? Just that whole concept of change, you know, that, you know, taking it for good and taking it for, it can be challenging sometimes. I think in education, the rate of change can be really slow. And this pandemic taught us that it can also really happen really fast. So how are we flexible with that change? How do we grow with that change? How do we learn from that change? And I heard you mention several times this idea of clarity, communication, and consistency. I kind of said the three C's. <laughs> and you talked about a struggle I know in our district similarly, like picking one thing, having clear communication with families, and being very, very consistent um, was really important for people to be able to access and be successful. Yeah. And for me, it's when you talked about reflection and engaging in conversation, when we talk about lessons learned, you know, those wounds become wisdom when we take that time for reflection and we have those conversations. So that's what struck me. And I was struck a little bit by reflection too, in the sense that we know that we didn't do everything perfectly this time through. And we kind of have some things in mind that we want to continue to focus on as we move forward, just to continue to grow, to continue to be better as a system, as people, as teachers, for the best of our students. And I would like to say thanks so much for joining us, Natasha. It's great having you here today. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate your insights and perspectives, uh, you know, peeling back another layer of this pandemic school year, getting another perspective. I think It's kind of like your podcast, the more perspectives we can get, the more we can kind of understand what's happening around us in this world. And I love that your name ends with daily because I think we could learn something from you daily. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Thanks again for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us for the first and third Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Central for a live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.